there was a wolf, and this wolf got hold of a little shepsala, little sheep, decided that this will be its dinner, and starts to fight. And the little shepsala, the little sheep starts to fight back, and there begins a fight, a Muhammad between the wolf and the little shepsala, and they're screaming, it's loud, they're crying, shouting, there's a war going on between these two animals. Until at one point, it goes silent. And everything is quiet. What's the reason for the silence? The reason is because the wolf has the little shepsala in a death lock. It's holding in a death lock. And the little sheep knows that if it makes one move in the wrong direction, its life is over. So there's silence. That is the marshal to our generation, the Sotan, has every single one of us in a death lock. And any move that we make could be deadly. And it's important for us not to be silent, but rather to get up, to shout, to make a noise, to try to fight that Sotan, try to make sure that we don't make the wrong move. There's a Moyodika Rambam. We can learn a few Rambams today. The Rambam, at the end of Perek Chav base. In Hilchas Yisuri Bia Halacha Yudches says as follows, and I quote the Rambam: kula." There is nothing in the entire Torah says the Rambam. Shukosha haom. That is difficult to most to the majority of people. Ella, only one thing: lifrosh min to separate. From the Inyone Arayas, as I state in the Rambam, it's one of the hardest things for most of Klalisol, says the Rambam, to separate, to distance himself from. Asks the Prisha, in Ebenezer Simon Chavhei, there's a steer in the Rambam, doesn't make any sense, there's a contradiction. What's that? The Rambam just told us, I read it to you, that one of the most, one of the hardest things that is difficult for most people is to separate from Arayas. Is the distance himself from Inyone, the things that we're discussing in these Shirim. However, at the end of the Rambam, he says, which is the Gemara, but the Rambam says, Ruban Most people stumble with Gezel with stealing, and a minority stumble with Arias. Asks the preacher, hello. The Rambam just told us, Roy B'nei Adam have a difficulty with Arias, but most people have a problem with Gezel. That's what he says at the end. Which one is it? Make up your mind. Answers the preacher like this. It's an important say to remember. Says the preacher, for people that ignite, that use the Yetzirah, that are involved in the Yetzirah, for those people, it's almost impossible to get out of. If you're going to constantly be igniting, fueling that Yetzirah, to distance yourself and all of a sudden to say stop, it's extremely difficult. It's possible, but it's extremely difficult. Whereas the person that trains himself that learns how to separate, to distance, and slowly manages to do that, he's only from the miat. He's from the minority. And yes, Gezel may be an issue, but Arias will not be the biggest issue. Somebody wrote a shayla, it's printed in Shevet Halevi, Ravazna Zatzal, there's a bacha in yeshiva, who said, I don't understand. The Gemara tells us in Brachas, that the Rabboni Shalom created the Yetzirah, but he created Torah as a tavlin. 
He created Torah as the remedy, as the medication, as the medicine, to heal a person from the Yitzhara. I don't understand, says this Bacha, as he writes to Ravosna Zatzal, I suffer so badly. I'm sitting in Yeshiva Yoimun Baloyla, and I'm learning. I'm suffering so badly from Inyoni Arias. I can't stop myself looking. I can't stop, stop myself pressing the wrong buttons, getting to the wrong site. Vuhole, vuhole. What do I do? And Ravosna wrote down, that Avada Navada Chazala Emes. And Avada Navada that a person learns Torah by Emes, it helps him from the Eight Sahara. But if a person is busy with the Eight Sahara, if a person is constantly igniting the Eight Sahara, don't expect that the Torah that you learn is going to come and save you all of a sudden. Because you cannot be involved. That's what the Rambam is telling us. That a person has to realize, yes, it's difficult. But slowly, slowly, if we manage to separate ourselves, it will help. Ramosha Aaron Stern's Atzal, Shkech of Kamenit, spring down. That the hardest part of Shmiri Senaim, of watching our eyes, is the beginning. It's the hardest part. It's just the beginning. That's the hardest thing. Eventually, it becomes easier. I met a fellow a couple of years ago in Lakewood, and he says to me that you should know I've been working on it. It was difficult for me. It was a married man with children. It was difficult, but I worked on it. And you should know it's hardly a taiva. That's what he said to me. And I said to him, thank you for sharing that, because now I can share it with others. That the beginning is, is a nightmare, it's Gehenim, it's difficult, it's hard, but it's possible. It's the beginning, says Ramosha Aaron turns that cell, that's the hardest. After you get over that hurdle, things become much easier. The stipler has a letter. In Kranid Egrisa also, in Mikhtav Tezvov, that he says every single time that a person is Oymid Benesoyen, he manages to win over, which we'll get to many different strategies, we'll talk about it on a very practical level, it gets easier and easier, so a person has to realize. The Rambam writes in his Agdoma that he split up, and he was the first one to do this, he split up the whole Torah into different parts. Before the Rambam came along, there was no one that did that. There was no like Musuddika way of figuring out where to look at each you know, section of Torah. The Rambam was Machadish, splitting up the Torah into different sections. And he explains why he called each one what he called them. And he calls one of them Sefer Kedusha. And in Sefer Kedush, there are basically two halachas in Yone Arias and Meichlas Asuras. Things that you can't eat and forbidden mixtures and everything else. And the Rambam says, why these two are called Sefer Kedusha? Because this is what separates us from the Goyim. What separates a Yid from a Goy is what he eats and what he looks at. And the Yonim that he's busy with over there. And it's very, very important to remember. I want to read to you a Moedika Rambam. Rabbi said, this Rambam is a very important Rambam. Hilchos Tshuva. Perik Dalad, Halacha Dalad, the Rambam says like this, Umehen, and he's quoting various things, that a person is very difficult to do tshuva, Vada person can do tshuva from anything. But there are certain things that have like a skula that you will not do tshuva. That it's very difficult you won't do tshuva. Right, he says, Ein cheskosoy loshuv mehem, lefishen dvorim kalim be'ene roi odom. They're like nothing in the eyes of people. It's like I didn't do anything. One of them, and he quotes a list, I'm not going to go through them. But in Gimel, in the third one on the Rambam's list, he says as follows. Hamastakul barayas. When a person looks at something inappropriate, when a person looks at that which he's not meant to be looking at. Mala al bekach klum. I didn't do anything. Shu'oyme, he says to himself, V'chibalti? O'kuravti yetzla? V'en yodeh shari'i oven godl. Says the Rambam, that when a person looks at something he shouldn't, he thinks to himself, "What did I do? What? I touched her. I was with her together in bed." I just looked. 
I looked, but I didn't touch. It's like going to a museum. You walk into a museum, and it says clearly on the thing, look, but don't touch. So that's what I did. I looked, I didn't touch. I didn't do anything. So the Heiliger Rambam, person doesn't realize that the Edsem is stuckless. The Reir saying, I am looking at it. It's an oven godl admoid. Person doesn't realize what he's over on. The Gemara tells us, He says, This is an Isidoraisa. As we know the Pasuk, we say in Krishna. And the Rambam adds a Pneus also the Raisa di Bamahara. We're dealing over here Rabbi, with an Issa of just looking. And when a person, when he wants to do tshuva, he thinks to himself, I just looked. I'm going to do tshuva with something I looked at. I didn't touch a chas v'shalom. I wasn't with a chas v'shalom. And I didn't do anything wrong. So the Rambam, this is one of the Averis that people don't even do tshuva. Because they don't even think it's so bad. Rabbi said, we're living in a Torah mabul. We're living where on the streets, not even on the streets, but often in our own pockets. We have the availability to see worse than they were able to see in Mitzrayim. Bishas, clearly saw being in there. And they were able to see pretty bad things over there. And in our own pockets, we're able to see in the privacy of our own home, in the privacy of our own Mokoymois and Adalad Amas that nobody else sees. We're able to look at the worst possible things that anyone was ever able to look at. It's a Dora Mabal out there. And Rabbi I think for a moment of what goes on in your head that's tempting you to look at these things. The eye is the greatest salesman. The eye is the greatest salesman of what goes on in your brain telling you to look at those things. There seems to be like an unspoken promise. It's like there's something over here that's going to give you pleasure. There's something over here that's going to give you geschmack. It's going to give you fulfillment. It's going to give you excitement. It's going to make you happy. It's going to do everything that you ever wanted. Psychologically, they say it's like, I'm offering you something. The eye is telling you, I'm offering you something. Just look, and you'll get whatever you need. We don't even know what it is. We can't even put it into words. We can't even explain it if we needed to and if somebody asked us to. The eye is the greatest salesman saying, look, I'm promising you something. And then what happens? And then you look. And then you realize, two seconds after you looked, what a waste. The, the, the bubble burst. The air came out. There's absolutely nothing there. And not only that. Imagine if a person is very, very thirsty. And there's no liquid around. And there's no drinks around. And he says, I'm thirsty. Has anybody got anything to help me? Quench my thirst. And someone says, sure, I have a cup of water. He's like, great, can I have it? He's like, yeah, but there's a lot of salt in there. It's very, very salty water. No problem, I'm so thirsty. And he takes it, he gulps it down. Ah, For about a second or two. It quenches his thirst. The liquid goes down in his parched lips and his parched mouth. But a second later, he's thirstier than he was before. So by looking, not only does it not fulfill the pleasures that the eye is telling you that it will, but it's making you more thirsty. I need to see more. I need to see different things. That's what I need to do. And that's what's going on in your brain. If we realize what's going on, Bishar Samaisa, we can't understand. And by the way, for all those that think if I'm married, it's much easier. When you're married, it's much, much worse. Much worse, because the taiva never came out of the love of your wife. She just happened to be the only one that you're allowed to be together with. And how difficult it is for her to compete with all of the images and things that you've seen that she cannot possibly compete with, which makes you feel unfulfilled, unhappy, and you obviously know what that leads with. I had a couple that I was dealing with 
a couple of years ago, we were going through a very, very difficult time. Very, very difficult time in marriage. Baruch Hashem, things are great now. But at the time, it was a gefel hamatzev. I don't want to describe to you what was going on over there behind the scenes, but it was terrible. One thing I could tell you. People came over to me, and they said to me, I want a marriage like that couple. I said, huh, what? What does that mean? So obviously I'm not going to share anything, but I'm like, why? You should see what they post on their statuses. You should see the romantic pictures, the this, the that. Like, I would love to have such a marriage. And if only I had the ability to say, what are you, crazy? Do you know what's going on over there? This is what's going on with the media. This is what they're trying to sell you. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's happy. Everything's beautiful. You know what's going on behind the scenes? And not only that, what goes on in your brain, Bishas Meisel, is even worse. There was a Russia in the history of Kalal Yisrael that knew the secret how to distance the Kalal Yisrael from the Rabbani Shalom. And he knew that secret. And that was Bilam Arosha. Bilam Arosha knew the secret. The Gemara tells us, Sanhedrin Kuvav The Gemara says, Eloheim Shalelu Soinazimohi. Bilam Arosha knew the secret. He knew what the Rabbani Shalom hates. And that's Znus. And Yone Arias that we're dealing with is one thing the Rabbani Shalom hates. And it gets Klal Yisrael to be distant from Avinu Shabbat Shamayim, which is why we have to be extra careful to be on guard over here. And how difficult it is, the Gemara tells us, Chazal tell us, Mesechtes Derech Eretz, Chachamim Oymim Kodem Estakabak Vishalisha, Goizun of Shuloi Bonim Bali Mumin. Chazal tell us that if a person looks even at an ankle of a woman, Mephoshim explained it's the least, most attractive place of a woman, is the ankle. It's a place that none of us are desperate to see. The ankle of a woman. Wow, I can't wait to see that. I'm looking to see the ankle. Nobody does that. You have, for example, a building site. And on the building site, you've got Goyesha workers, constructive workers, you know, constructive workers. They're sitting over there, they're, you know, doing whatever they have to do. These guys are walking, they're, they're standing over there, admiring the scenery. And there's a woman that walks past with a mini skirt. And you can see all the heads. There's like following that. Yes, she has legs. That's how she's walking past. What are you checking out? The Gemara says, if you look at the ankle of a woman, they're going to be geyser. You have children that are bali mumin. How much do we spend on our children? How much does every person in this room want to have good gavaldiga elecha children? And yet Chazal tell us, look at this. Look what can happen. When a person looks in the wrong way, when a person does the wrong thing, the Gemara in the Dorm, Davchov, Every Avera starts from the eye. It all begins from over there. Rabbi Niyon and the Mishnah Perkiyavis, Parak Aleph Mishnah Hey, Altarbis Sichame Isha. Don't speak excessively with a woman, and then it says a Baitel Medivre Torah. What's the connection? Rabbi Niyon of Pshat. That the Machshava of Torah women are so different. They don't go together. The lay the heart, cannot be civil, cannot cope with both of them. It's one or the other. But boy said, there's no Shaila. This is the battle of our generation. This is the battle that the Rabbi Shalom has chosen for our door, for our generation. And the question is not, why did you not win? But rather the question is, why did you not try? That's what the Rabbi Shalom wants from us. How will we face our grandparents, who were able to be Moisa Nefesh for every single aspect of Yiddishkeit. They were able to give their lives for Yiddishkeit. But we cannot give up looking at a picture. We cannot give up looking at something that we shouldn't because it's too difficult for us. When our grandparents were Moisa Nefesh, 
for Kalali Sol, for Kedusha, for Kashras, for Shabbos Kodesh, and we can't give up anything, and we can't be strong enough to say no, how are we going to face our grandparents after 120 years? And they're going to say, look what I did for Yiddishkeit, look what I did for future generations, what did you do? How are we going to cope with them? And I end with one last Maishu, the Kajit Samagit said over the Marshall as follows, he said there was a famous carpenter, extremely well-known, worldwide carpenter that made the most exquisite pieces of furniture. And he designed and put together the most beautiful furniture. And at one point he put together a beautiful piece, such a gorgeous piece. The way it was made, the way it was designed, every detail was there, the glass, the wood shapes, it was gorgeous. And it went on auction and it sold for millions of dollars then, which was a crazy amount even nowadays. And some very wealthy person bought it and he bought it to, to be able to put in his dining room and to display all of the diamonds that his wife has, the beautiful watches that he had, the pearl necklaces, all the gorgeous jewelry that he had. And he used to store it, and that would be in display for everyone that came into his home. And eventually, the wheel of fortune turns. He lost a lot of his money, and he had to sell many of his items. And one of the items that had to go to the bank to sell in order to pay off the mortgage for his home and everything else that he took out was this piece of furniture. And the banks came along with a huge van. They took the furniture... They took this piece with it, they shoved it in the back of the van, already automatically smashing the glass, and it went from van to warehouse, to another warehouse, to a van, to another store, and it got chipped over here, and it got bashed over there, and it got a little bit, you know, scraped over there, till eventually it looked like a little cupboard that, you know, does not work very, very much, and eventually got sold to a shoemaker, somebody that fixes and makes shoes in Vienna, and he took it and he bought it to be able to put all of his shoelaces in. Right, nice exquisite piece, wasn't worth much money because it was bashed and everything else. And that designer, that carpenter who designed this beautiful piece of furniture was once walking the streets of Vienna and his shoelace snapped. And he said to someone over there, tell me something, could you help me? How do I uh, get a new shoelace? Oh, there's a famous guy, go down the street, turn right, you'll see over there there's a store there, got a nice closet, a nice cupboard over there, go choose over there. He goes there, he looks at this cupboard, he says, ooh, this looks very familiar. Takes another look and he says... This is, this is it. This is my closet. This is the cabinet that I designed that I made. It was worth millions of dollars. And it's sitting in a home, it's sitting in a house, it's sitting in a store worth almost nothing because it's chipped and it's cracked and it's bashed. Shemi Rachim, where's the real intrinsic worth? So the Heilige Koshna Tzamagid, our Neshama came down as the most beautiful, pure Neshama. And it gets a bit bashed, gets a bit scraped, gets a bit, you know, bashed and bruised along the way of this world in Oile Mazeh. Our job, Rabbi Isai, is to take that beautiful neshama and to return it back to the Rabbi Nishlan after 120 years of being here in its purest form possible. Mitzvah next week, we shall continue. Thank you.